What a great time of worship. Amen. Amen. Hey, welcome to Chester Christian Church. We are very glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, my name is Charlie Stevenson. I'm the worship pastor here at Chester Christian. Um, my name is not Aaron Hoback, and for that, we are both eternally grateful. So um, today is actually Aaron's uh, birthday, and uh, so we decided we would give him the day off and uh, allow him the opportunity to go and celebrate his birthday. So he's not here with us this morning. He was here for the first service, but if you have his number, shoot him all kinds of text messages and blow up his Facebook and all that kind of stuff with happy birthdays. I'm sure he would love that I said that. So, um, but we just want to welcome you here this morning. If this is your first time with us, uh, we just definitely hope that you are, have been blessed. We hope all of you are blessed by being with us this morning as, as we worship, as we, uh, as we listen to the word. Um, and uh, when you came through the doors, you should have received a bulletin that has information about things coming up here at Chester Christian Church. And there's an information sheet. We encourage you to fill that out in a prayer request form. Uh, if you have a prayer need or something that you would like for our staff to pray over you with for this, uh, through this week, fill that out. And then drop that in the offering plate towards the end of our service this morning. So uh, we'll be uh, looking at the continuing in our ser- sermon series of the Gospel According to Isaiah. The Gospel According to Isaiah. So you can go ahead and turn to the book of Isaiah. Uh, if you've got those Bibles in your seats in front of you, uh, there should be a Bible there. If you don't have a Bible at home, uh, feel free to take that home. Don't worry, nobody will stop you for stealing something, okay? Um, but go ahead and take that Bible home. We want you to have it. We want you to find somebody, uh, to, uh, find somebody that will help you to, to come alongside of you to kind of share with you, what you how you can get started reading that. Um, but I want to pray, and then we're going to go ahead and just dive right into our sermon this morning. Father, thank you again for the time just to be here in this place. Lord, I thank you for the life that we've been able to witness, uh, this, this rebirth uh, of Allison. And uh, Father, I thank you that, uh, that through that, uh, God, that, that she will have your spirit inside of her, and uh, Lord, that you will uh, guide her. Father, I pray that you will be among us this morning, uh, even as we've worshiped, God, your, your presence is felt. Father, and I pray that, uh, that through this message, God, uh, that your spirit will continue to move in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, how many of you uh, ever remember, anybody play this game right here, the game of life? Yeah? Yeah, this is, this is a well-worn box here. You remember this game uh, where you take the little, the little car and you, you move it all over the board. You've got those little pegs that you have to put in that represent the people, the blue and the pink. Um, and, uh, and so uh, you, you'd have that spinner that you have to get just right. You know what I'm talking about? You know, uh, if you don't hit it, it goes, you know. But if you hit it just right, it goes, you know, you get, that was a good success. Just in that alone was kind of a game, just hitting the spinner to see if it would go good. But uh, so you know this game, it revolves around teaching you life lessons with fake money and adult situations that you never really understood as a kid, right? You had, uh, you had to make decisions whether to choose a career at the beginning or to, to go off and go to college, which you weren't even thinking about going to college when you were a kid anyways. And if you played this as an adult, you may regret some of your college days. But um, so you have this idea of uh, and you have to pick a college or a career. And, and then as you go through the game, you get married, you have kids, you buy, you buy a house, you, you get your paydays, you, you, you pay taxes, you go to the bank, and eventually you retire. And he who ends with the most money wins, right? So uh, that's, winning never really looked like it did in the commercials either, where the one kid was like, yeah! It was always like everybody else overthrowing the table on that kid, right? You got more money. That was probably more Monopoly than anything else. But, uh, but you had to wait your next turn in order to advance. 
And this was just the routine, the motions of the game. To spin and find out where you land and go. So that's, pretty, uh, that's a pretty good description of, of real life, right? Routine, make money, pay your bills, pay taxes. Well, that's in life in general. Let's throw a spiritual life in there and it may look something more like this. That each week we go to a place of worship to worship God and endure a 30-minute talk by a guy. And maybe this inspires them. Maybe this inspires you to change. Maybe you feel compelled to do something better in your life for Jesus Christ, like read your Bible more or pray more, or maybe you would go to help somebody. But then you go home and you resume normal life. You sit down to eat lunch and then you turn the TV on, maybe call over some friends to watch a game. You might take a nap or go shopping or maybe go to work. Maybe you have to go to work in the afternoon. Perhaps you're a social media person and suck hours of your life away and nothing gets accomplished. And I see some of you are on social media right now and I'm a little offended by that. Anyways, I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, so you do that, and, and that's your afternoon on a Sunday, but then you remember later in the day, maybe in the evening, that you wanted to do more about reading your Bible and praying to God and, and, and serving people, but then it, now it's bedtime, and you have to go to bed because tomorrow's Monday, and, and it's back to the normal grind of work and the busyness of the week. You get up on Monday and you go to the same job with the same people at the same time for the same reason of earning a paycheck. And then throughout the week, you, you may have times where you remember and say, hey, you know, I want to I pray or I want to read. And then maybe you do actually just take a second or two to pray God's blessing on your life, but then you don't feel like you're getting any answer or return for that. And then you may uh, instead end up backbiting people people of different ethnicity or politics or personal beliefs from you, and you, you become filled with frustration and anger and fear. You turn a blind eye to people that are hurting in your life or in need, or maybe you don't even see them. And at the end of each day, you might come back to remember, oh man, I, Sunday morning, I, said I, was, I wanted to read my Bible and pray more. I guess I'll have to try again tomorrow. And then Saturday comes. And then you work on your house, work in your yard, go do something fun. Before you know it, it's Sunday again. And you come back into the church and the cycle starts all over again. You see, this is a common problem with Christians. That when we live our lives like this, we end up compartmentalizing our faith. We, contain, we, we try to contain God to a box and say that this is my God time. When we come to church, he's just another part of our lives. When we come to church, it's just what we do on a Sunday morning because it's the right thing. Or when we have the opportunity to read and take 30 minutes in our devotional time in the morning with Him, then it's just a good thing to do. Or that when we go to a small group, we are part of a small group ministry, or maybe even we serve because it feels good to me to do that. So when we do this and we have this mentality and we compartmentalize God in our lives, we don't take Jesus past Sunday morning. And we, have, and we become churchgoers rather than disciples who make disciples. So like I said, we'll be in Isaiah. We'll be in chapter 58 this morning. Chapter 58 of Isaiah. And we're going to take a look at this passage. It's uh, really just... <laughs> 
it hit, hit home to me a lot this, uh, as I was studying through this. Isaiah chapter 58. I'll have the words up on the screen from the Christian Standard Bible, which I'll be reading from here. It says, cry out loudly. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you don't listen. You don't notice. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife. You strike viciously with your fists. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast that I choose? To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Then your light will appear like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard at that time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, He will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing, the malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always, be with, will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Some of you will rebuild ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls and the restorer of streets where people live. If you keep from desecrating the Sabbath, from doing whatever you want on my holy day, you, uh, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, seeking your own pleasures, or talking business, then you will delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride over the heights of the land and let you enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There's something very important that we need to understand that will help us to really grasp what this, what this passage is talking about. And this is, uh, this is something that when, when, when Isaiah is talking about this whole concept of fasting, we're not just talking about just fasting in general. All right? This was actually a special day. Uh, this was a day that, that Isaiah was referring to as the Day of Atonement. All right? The Day of Atonement. Now, you can read all the details about this in the book of the law in Leviticus chapter 16. We won't go there, but if you want to read that on your own time, there's a lot of details about the Day of Atonement and the sacrifices that were supposed to be made for that day in chapter 16 of Leviticus. It was supposed to be on the 10th day of the 7th month, and it was supposed to be an annual celebration. The priest was supposed to cleanse himself and dress in certain holy garments before approaching God. 
The priests had to enter a specific way into the most holy place of the temple where God's presence dwelled. You see, God is holy, and there cannot be any sinfulness in His presence, or the person would die. Sacrifices were, were something that was done in, in Old Testament practice as a way of forgiving sins, but it was also a way to help people remember what their sins cost. The death of something. The priest was to sacrifice certain animals for this day. However, this was the only sacrifice that also used a live animal that would be set free. It would be set free instead of sacrifice. This, uh, this animal was, uh, was a goat, and it would carry all the sins of the nation. The priest would lay his hands on it and confess all the sins of the nation and then take it outside of the camp and set it free as a representation of their sin being separated from the nation of Israel. It was called the scapegoat. You may have read about this in Scripture or heard about it in Metallica song. So, um, but this was the Day of Atonement. It was an annual day to forgive Israel's sins. To make amends to God for the wrongs committed against Him. It was a time of repentance for them to reflect on those sins that they would not commit them again. It was a day of rest. It was a Sabbath day for everyone. Not just for the nation of Israel, but for the aliens that were living among them. For the slaves and for the freed people as well. It was a day to practice self-denial by fasting. By wearing sackcloth and sprinkling ashes on their heads. To not do any work or perform any business. It was a day to bask in God's holiness as He forgave them their sins. And sat in the most holy place. The day was to be a holy day to the Lord. So in our text... Uh, here we are years after the original law was written. And in, and in Leviticus, they were talking about this tabernacle, which was a portable church. All right? it, was a, it was a curtain area. It was, this, it was a big area room uh, set up building almost. But uh, it was all made of curtains. And we had the, whole, the, the most holy place. And that was when the law was written in Leviticus. And, and when you read Leviticus 16, that's what is referring to through that. But here we are. Isaiah is speaking years after that. And they've gotten out of this portable church thing. And now they have built a brick and mortar temple. And it is designed exactly the same way as the tabernacle was. And so they have the most holy place here, but it's a brick and mortar thing. So uh, in verses 1 through 5, God speaking through Isaiah is saying, this is what you think the day is about. This is what you, you, you think you're doing in this when you're trying to, to worship me. You're just simply observing it without its meaning. You're observing it without its meaning. They were not repenting of their sins. Instead, they continued into them by treating others, treating their servants poorly and not allowing them to rest. They were going through the motions by simply dressing the part in sackcloth and ashes, but not showing any evidence of God being among them. They were malicious towards each other. They oppressed the poor and the needy, or at least simply neglected to help them. They used the holy day to do whatever they wanted to do and to fill their own pleasures or conduct business. And all of this was contrary to the law of Moses given by God that they were to follow. And so God's response to this is that 
He says, this is what you think it is, but this is really what it should look like. This is what the day should look like. The day of atonement. It's really about this. And he goes on to tell them that they needed to break the bonds of wickedness. To repent of their sins. To treat everyone with dignity and respect. To feed the hungry. To clothe the naked. To shelter the homeless. And to allow the slaves to go free. And to rest. Even, then, even though they loved to be in God's presence, as he says in verse 2, they loved to be in His presence, God did not pour out His blessings onto them, on the nation, because their sin remained. Their sin blocked God from responding to them. And yet He still wanted to bless them if they would choose to do the right thing and repent of their sins and turn towards God. To surrender to Him with their lives. So what does that look like for us today? What does that look like for us today? Well, we're on a different side of, of the cross. See, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus became that atoning sacrifice for our sins once for all. In, in 1 John uh, 2, 2, it says that uh, He Himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. And in Romans 3, 25, Paul says that God presented Him as an atoning sacrifice in His blood, received through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. And so through our baptism. We recognize this, as, as Allison did earlier, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, as, as, and we receive this gift of forgiveness, as it says in Acts 2.38, 2, to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in Galatians 3.27, it says that those who have been baptized in, who have been baptized have clothed themselves with Christ. They've put Jesus on. And also in our baptism, we, as I mentioned before, we receive the presence of God living inside of us through His Spirit. We come, and the sacrifice that Jesus paid was not something that was a yearly sacrifice, but it was something that was done once for all. But every week when we come here, we observe this holy day and participate in a time to remember that sacrifice of our sins through Jesus when we partake of communion together not that communion is what sets us free but rather it reminds us of what of our freedom of our sins in Jesus Christ when we hear the word we come and we sit and we listen and we hear the word of the Lord proclaimed through song as we worship and we listen to the word of God being preached each week and God's spirit moves in us and among us Unlike the Day of Atonement, we can enter into God's presence whenever we want. And we may feel the Holy Spirit moving inside of us personally, calling us to do something through a burning desire. Maybe that's a change that we need to make or somebody that we need to help. We feel that Holy Spirit. But when we do nothing to respond to that Spirit's call, 
then we are simply going through our motions or religious rituals of worship like Israel was doing. Dressing the part and doing the part because it's a good thing to do, but inwardly there is no change. And then when we leave, we go about our lives just like routine, just like everything's normal. A couple of years ago, I uh, was coming up. I, I, I lived down about 45 minutes south of here, and, um, and I was driving up uh, 95 north, and I got off at the Ruffin Mill Road exit. You probably know where that is, I'm sure. And it was a Sunday morning. I was coming here to church to lead worship. It was cold outside. And, uh, and if you've ever gone to that exit, I'm sure that probably if you go down that exit a lot, you know that there's somebody that sits on that side on that, in that, uh, at that stoplight at the base of that exit almost every day. There's somebody that's there. Maybe it's the same person. Maybe it's different. Um, but I remember, and sometimes, you know, as I stopped at that place, I remember, you know, I could hand out a $5 bill or a bottle of water that I had in my car. Whether I hope that they were, they were not opened. But, um, but to help somebody out there, and, and, and so um, I remember this one particular Sunday as I was coming here to lead worship as it was cold outside, I pulled up and there was an older couple that was sitting there. They were sitting in lawn chairs. And I remember that as I was pulling up, I was thinking to myself, oh man, I, I need to tell them I, I, I've got space in my car. They can get in my car and, we can, and I can take them to church and they, I mean, they can be warm for the morning and, and I'll even take them somewhere and get them something to eat. Um, I don't have any cash on me. And, and so this was like burning inside of me that when I got up to the stoplight, this is what I was going to say to these people, get in. And I got up to that stoplight and the only thing that I could do was to turn, and I made eye contact with the lady that was sitting in the chair. And she smiled, and I smiled, and the light turned green, and I drove on. And from that moment on, I wept all the way to this, to this building because I felt like the Holy Spirit was calling me to do something, and I ignored it. I ignored the Holy Spirit in my life. And it could have helped those people to become closer to Jesus Christ. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I was thinking that they wouldn't do it. Ah, they're too afraid. They wouldn't get in there. Or I don't know them from Adam. Or I, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking that morning. But I know that I rejected the Holy Spirit and His call for me that day. And I decided to go about my motions and come here and worship my God and be in the presence of God and that tore me up. You see, ultimately, God is not interested in our motions. He's interested in our surrender to Him. Are we humbly submitting to His Spirit? Taking Jesus past Sunday morning requires an examination of the Holy Spirit's work inside of you. You must examine to see, is the Holy Spirit working in you? That is the only way that we can take Jesus past Sunday morning. Let me give you something to think about on this. Uh, in Galatians 5, and 23, uh, Paul lists probably the longest list that we have of the work of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. You probably memorized some of these, maybe all of them. Maybe you know the song. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so the Spirit's work should be evident not in how many Bible verses you read in a day or how much you know about the Scriptures, 
or how long your prayers are, rather by the fruit that you are producing through God. Are you a more loving person towards the people that are difficult to love? Do you find joy even in the darkest situations? Can you honestly say that you're becoming more patient when you have to wait on others or on God? Do you regularly show godly kindness to people when you're driving? Or trying to check out at the grocery store? Are you showing goodness in your life by helping people in need? Are you remaining faithful to God with the things that you watch or the language that you use? Are you gentle with people in a situation heats up? Do you regularly exercise self-control with the bottle or other things that you put into your body or your relationships or other key areas of your life? How you answer these questions should be a barometer as to how the Spirit is working in your life. If worship, if being here and being in God's presence does not transform you, you need to evaluate the Spirit's work in your life. If there is no evidence of change five years ago, three years ago, one year ago, then you need to spend time with God figuring out why. Why am I not any different than I was? Why is God's Spirit not growing inside of me? Usually, it's because of a sin that we don't want to let go of or address. And instead, we end up blaming God and saying, you're the reason, you're not growing inside of me, Lord. Or we point our finger at the church and we say, oh, the church isn't doing its job. Or we point at other people and saying, well, that person always makes me angry and turns me into a different person. I'll lose my religion over that guy. But it's usually something inside of us. You see, God has called us to something so much deeper, so much more than just simply being a church goer. He calls us to be a disciple who makes disciples. And we can only do that by taking Jesus past Sunday morning to not have Jesus just be in part of our lives, but for Him to transform every part of our lives through sacrifice and submission to Him as the Lord of your life. So I, I shared with you about that rough and mill exit thing. A couple, about a month ago, I had the opportunity to go and speak in Virginia Beach to a youth group. Uh, a lot about something very similar to this. Uh, we're speaking to them about our camp theme this year, Racing Fear, uh, and, and about life in the Spirit. And I spent the morning at one coffee shop and I typed out a, a good chunk of that, of that uh, me message and then I went over to Virginia Beach and I parked it at Panera and I typed out the rest of that, that thing and, I, and man, I read over it a few times and I was like, man, this, I, I'm looking good, looking good, I, I really like, I like this. And so uh, I jumped in my car and I drove out to head over to the church. It was early in the afternoon, and the, my speaking engagement wasn't until the evening. And so I drove out, and I stopped at this median. And I grew up in this, in this neighborhood a little bit, and, I, and so I was like, all right, I know, I know this neighborhood. And I get over there, and, and I stop at this median. Here we go again. And my window was cracked. It was kind of a nice day, and I saw this guy. Homeless, please help. And I was like, I don't have any cash on me. I don't have anything I can give this guy, but you know what? I could say to him, hey, have you eaten? Just ask him, have you eaten? 
and go take him to get some food. And, and so he, uh, here he comes. He's walking closer. And I didn't say anything. And I felt that burning inside of me again. And the light turned green. And I started down the road again. For the next mile, I had a near physical fight with myself. That looked very interesting, by the way. Because I had nowhere to go. I didn't have to be anywhere at that time. It would have been nothing for me to stop and take 10, 15, 30, an hour of my day to spend with this guy, to minister him, to help him out. And after about a, a mile and a half, I actually went, enough! And I slammed on the brakes, and I made a U-turn. I didn't hit anybody, by the way. I came back, and I parked my van. I walked over to the median, and I said, hey, buddy, I said, have you had anything to eat today? And he said, no, no, I haven't. I said, um, I said Can you, will you come with me and... I said, if you would be interested in getting my van, I'll, I'll take you to go get some food. And he said, he said I, I would love that. And so he jumped in, and we went over, and for the next 20 minutes, I learned uh, his name was Aaron, not our Aaron. Um, his name was Aaron. <laughs> his name was Aaron, and, and he, had, he was a painter who had been out, who, who lost his job, and he had been living in his car for three weeks at, and at, a, at his friend's house. He had family in the area, but they did not care anything for him. And so we, uh, after talking with him a little bit, I, I, just, I just said, look, I, I, put my arm, I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, hey, listen, man, I know this is difficult because of what you're going through right now. I know this is tough, but I really want you to understand that God loves you so much. And I just hope that just spending a couple minutes with you um, will, will allow people to see, allow you to see that love that God has for you. I didn't get emotional like that. But I, and I said, and I asked him, I said, you know, hey, where, where can I drop you? And, and I told him, I shared a couple of churches that were around in that area that may be able to help him out, and, and, and at least he can start fellowshipping with people and getting to know them. I don't know if he ever ended up going to those churches or not. But I dropped him back off at that same media, and his spirit was just lifted. And I said, I cannot stop there. And so I got on Facebook, and I messaged on my, I, I, I put on my Facebook page, uh, for, for people in that Virginia Beach area that if they knew of anybody that was looking for work that could go and help this man out. And I told him exactly where to find him. He was, this is where he is. Go help this man out. That's what responding to the Holy Spirit is like. It's helping the needs of other people. It's not to make me feel good. It's not to put another crown in my jewel, jewel in my crown. But it's, it's, it's because the Spirit is moving inside of us and because we need to be obedient to Him and act on that thing. So if that's you, if you are one of those obedient people and you are living your life in the Spirit and you are, you are seeing needs that people have around you and you're meeting them and, 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 and you're, you're willing to be open to whatever the Spirit is asking you to do, I, I just commend you for that. I just pray, I, I, I ask God's blessing on you that you, will continue to, uh, that you will continue to do that and to live your life in the Spirit that way. I would also encourage you to find more people, come alongside of other people to help them learn to live that way, to help them learn to grow the Holy Spirit in their life. And so for the rest of us though, how do we respond to this burning desire, this, this Holy Spirit, the call of the Holy Spirit that burns inside of us each week when we come into the presence of God? How do we respond to such a thing? 
Each week we do that, we give you guys an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit. It's how we call it our time of response, where we, we speak a message and then, and then we ask you to respond to that Holy Spirit. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that today, but first we're going to have, uh, in, in just a few minutes, we're going to have our servers that are going to come up and, and serve communion. The Lord's Supper, this is our time of reflection for us. A time to remember the atoning sacrifice for our sins through the death of Jesus Christ. The bread that will be passed around to represent Jesus' body and the juice to represent His blood that was for the forgiveness of our sins. And while we're in this time of communion, I'd like you to reflect on what I believe the Holy Spirit may be working in you and calling you to do right now. Let me give you three practical ways that you can respond to the Holy Spirit today. The first is through a call of service. I believe that there are some in here that feel that they need to do more to to respond to the Holy Spirit, to share the gospel message to people in need. And you can do that through a personal ministry. Like, what would it look like is it, when you leave this place, instead of going about your day like normal and, and pursuing your own pleasures and desires and business, what would it look like today if we went out and found somebody that was hungry and took them to lunch and shared the gospel with them and listened to their story? What would it look like today if you knew of somebody that needed something material like clothing or furniture or something that you had that you can spend some money on to help them in need instead of just leaving this place out of the presence of God? Take the presence of God with you. What would that look like? What would it look like when you leave this place to call the person that you know needs to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ? What would it look like for the church to actually be the church. So you can help in a personal ministry. You can help by serving with an established ministry. We have several here that do things like this that help uh, people in, in tight situations and poor situations like Par 3 Ministries. You may have heard about that. Donnie Blick leads that up with his small group. You can become a part of that where they go over to Par 3 Motel over on Jeff Davis Highway once a month and they go to serve those people over there and just to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to them. You can get involved with something like the Crisis Pregnancy Center where you can come alongside and mentor young ladies who, 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 who've had this situation that's come up in their life that they need some guidance through. You, you might find another established ministry, something that we're supporting here at Chester Christian Church or otherwise. If you want to know about the supporting ministries here at Chester Christian Church, there's a, there's a flyer out on our welcome table that has all of the ministries that, that Chester Christian supports. There's another way that you might be able to help too. You probably noticed the dots when you came through the doors here at the back. The, the interesting designs and intricate things. Maybe it gave you a headache when you came through. I don't know. But that's part of our 30-hour famine that our teens are going to be doing here soon, which is amazing that they're going to be fasting for 30 hours because I have two teenagers that sometimes can't go more than 30 minutes without eating. But, uh, but these dots actually all represent a dollar that they're trying to raise, and there are 7,000 dots on that poster. They're trying to raise $7,000 to help people around the world that are hungry and in need of food. But I challenge you not only to give to this organization or to give to these efforts, but to participate in these efforts. What would it look like for you to be involved with a 30-hour famine and, not, and to deny yourself food for 30, 30 hours 
to, to remind you of what other people around the world are going through. And during that time, to take the time to connect with God and to get closer to Him. And to help raise money for this organization and this, this effort. And so there's a call to serve. There's a call to repentance. There's a call to repentance. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? But still feel like that God is distant? Or that His Spirit is not at work in your life? Listen, I want you to reflect during our time of communion. I want you to reflect on the day that God called you away from your sins. I want you to measure your life to see if there is any change in you five, three, one year ago. I want you to uh, if, take some time. If you can't see that change or you don't see that change, I want you to take some time talking with God as you remember the sacrifice that He gave for you. Examine yourself. Is there some sin that is holding you from receiving God's blessing or hindering His Spirit from growing in your life? Spend some time talking to God during communion about it. Maybe you need to come and kneel at the cross during communion time. To humble yourself in your seats where you are before the Lord. Maybe you're here and this is the first time or maybe the 100th time that you have heard that God loves you and is offering you forgiveness of your sins, but you have not committed your life to the Lord yet. There is no time like the present to make a public confession of your belief in Him. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You confess that Jesus, you believe in your heart that Jesus is, is the Son of God and that He died to take away your sins and He rose again to give us hope to turn away from your sinfulness and to begin walking towards God in the life that He has offered to you. To confess your sins, to confess Jesus as Lord of your life and, to, and the one that you want to follow and to be baptized as Allison was for the forgiveness of our sins to receive the presence of God living inside of you. But not so that you can just become another churchgoer or play a routine of, of the game of spiritual life, but so that you can know what it means to truly live. So in a minute, I'll pray and the servers are going to come and, and then we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song, and it's going to be played. And during that song, I want you to come, and I want you to make this real. What is the Holy Spirit working in you over? What is the Holy Spirit convicting you of? Stop ignoring the Holy Spirit and start being obedient. I want you to come and make this real and publicly respond to the Holy Spirit. You don't have to grab a microphone, share a big testimony, spill your blood all over the place. It's not like that at all. Just walking down the aisle and asking someone to pray for you or with you through this as a public testimony. So I'll be up front here during the song and the, and, and the prayer team will be uh, in the front and the back of these main aisles here. And I just encourage you this. Reflect on how the Holy Spirit is working through you during communion. Is he calling you to serve him? Is he calling you to repent of a sin? Is he calling you to accept him as your Lord and Savior? And then make it real afterwards. Solidify that decision by coming to pray with a member of our prayer team.
or talking about your next steps of faith. Folks, it is time to stop playing church. It's time to stop being a churchgoer. That when we're in the presence of God, we take that out and people know that we've been in the presence of God because His Spirit is among us. It's time to take Jesus past Sunday morning. Father, thank you so much. I thank you for this time that we've just been able to look at these words in Isaiah as a, as a call to repentance, Lord. Father, as a, as a call to remember the sacrifice that was made for us so that we can have this forgiveness of sins if we follow you, if we're obedient to you. Father, I pray that right now as we just remember the sacrifice that was made for us through Jesus, God, that your spirit will continue to work inside of us, Lord. Convict us of our wrongs. Motivate us to change. And send us in action. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.